My name is Jill Hudson, and welcome to The Real Kind Truth. You are listening to Episode 2. The phrase, the cold hard truth, is often used to describe a world where people can't be trusted, and you're all on your own, and only the tough survive. I completely reject that worldview, and instead offer you the real kind truth that we are deeply and unconditionally loved by a caretaker who is the pure essence of all that is real and kind and truthful. With God, life is abundant. This is a podcast about finding God in all the places that God shows up. You will hear scripture, stories about life, education about essential oils, and tangible steps to take to enact real kind truth into the world. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend. I'm an ordained Baptist minister, a trained counselor, and an educator. I'm glad we're on the Real Kind Truth journey together. In today's episode, titled Joy in the Everything, we explore the real kind truth that joy is actually not an emotion. Let's listen in. driving home from a long Monday at work and wondering how I want to begin talking about joy, how I even could begin talking about joy without being hypocritical, without being trite or superficial. How do I begin talking about joy in a real and kind and truthful way, especially when I'm this tired, especially when joy would not be the first or fifth word I would use to describe my current situation. What are the words I would use to describe my current situation as I drive home on the first day of the second grading period of the already longest year I have ever taught? On a Monday where I have taught math in a mask, bell to bell, to high schoolers while simultaneously juggling half of my students who are learning remotely when I haven't been given any proper time or resources to teach them? What are the words I would use? Well, I know one word that comes to mind. Weary. Weary of masks. Weary of waking at 5.30 a.m. Weary of working five days a week in the classroom and many more hours outside of it. Weary of not seeing friends or having people over. Weary of being cautious or extra cautious. Weary of thinking of through each and every situation to the nth degree so that we can make sure all of our bases are covered. Weary of conflict and arguing and unrest and keeping fear of the future at bay. Weary of awful decisions. Weary of the amount of bad news that keeps piling up. Weary of how full my inbox is. Weary of the dog hair that piles up along the baseboards next to the 27 cardboard boxes that need to be recycled but don't fit into the bin at the moment. Weary of house projects that never quit coming. Weary of family being far away. Weary of feeling weary. Weary of feeling disconnected. Weary of everything being so damn hard. Weary of my kids being lonely. Weary of being isolated. Weary of fighting off loneliness and depression and sadness and doubt. 
weary of worshiping from afar, weary of not hugging other human beings, weary of that baseline stress that gnaws away at my insides, even on a good day, the stress that wakes me up panicked in the night for no reason, the stress that has left my shoulders in knots and makes my head ache every single day. Weary, friends, just weary. You know what word I would not use in describing my everyday emotional state right now? Joyful. I know this might be shocking to some of you. I'm sure you're feeling joyful all the time, and it's just me, right? Right? Oh, no? Oh, you you feel the weariness, too? Yeah, I figured as much. Oh, where is the joy? I know what will be just the ticket. Let's grab a joyful oil to smell. That helps me put me in the right frame of mind. A perfect joyful oil to choose would be, drum roll please, joy. Yep, Young Living actually makes an essential oil blend called joy. Could you imagine a better oil for an episode about joy than one by the same name? Nope, I couldn't either. Joy is a blend of 10 deliciously scented oils that will absolutely reset your heart into the right frame of mind. Drop some on your fingers and then rub it right over your heart. Then take a moment and breathe deeply. (sighs) Smell the bergamot, the yilang yilang, geranium, lemon, coriander, tangerine, jasmine, Roman chamomile, palmarosa, and rose. Oh, that rose is the kicker for me. Rose has the highest frequency of any of the essential oils, and it will change the frequency of your body when you apply it. Changing our body's frequency changes our disposition and can change our health as well. You just need a few drops of joy to see what I mean. Now that we're feeling a little more settled and a little less irritable, let's delve into scripture. I like to use the sense of smell to invite me into scripture. This is nothing new. We've been making churches smell like frankincense for hundreds of years, and we've all lit a candle at some point to set the mood. Breathing in and really smelling can set our spirits in the right place to receive the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the message translation, and we're still in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But what happens when we live God's way? God brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life. In episode one, we talked about love being affection for others. This week, we're focusing on joy. The message translates joy as exuberance about life. And y'all, I am not feeling exuberant about anything these days, except maybe my bed. But we know that scripture is a gift given to us to reveal who God is and in turn who we are. Scripture is truth, plain and simple. And so I must heed the wisdom therein, especially the verses near this one that is listing the fruits of the Spirit. Go a few more verses down into verse 25, and the Word of God says, Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads 
or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. I have got to figure out this exuberance about life bit. As I begin to work this out, let me first say that it is perfectly acceptable to not feel joyful at any given point. You are not a bad person if you do not feel joy day in and day out. That is okay. Right now, our world is in a collective state of grief. We were not prepared for the trauma we are experiencing on a daily basis. But really, who could be prepared for such a thing? We're experiencing grief and loss every single day, friends. Every day. And it is not lesser just because we're ready for it to be over or we're tired of wearing our masks, or because fall is here and we want to see change in our circumstances akin to the change that we see in the leaves and the field and the crisp morning air. The grief is here for a while. The trauma is not yet over. Despair is still lurking around the corner. That is truth, friends, and I would not be a kind friend or be keeping it real to say otherwise. But the real kind truth of all of this also is that joy is still to be found, even here, even in the dark, and in the middle of the grief, and in the midst of the trauma, exuberance about life is still able to be found. In seminary, I learned a very valuable life tool called the both and, also called the third alternative. I first heard about it in the way that Jesus responded to those who would criticize him. His critics would say, is it this way or that way? And Jesus would not take the bait, but respond with, have you considered another way, another path, a third alternative, the both and? Like when the Pharisees try to bait Jesus, asking whether they should pay taxes to Caesar or not. And Jesus says, give back to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God's. Or how about the time Sadducees posed this ridiculous question to Jesus about the woman who becomes the wife of each of seven brothers in a family after the last one dies, and they want to know whose wife she'll be at the resurrection. And Jesus says, you're off base on two accounts. You don't know your Bibles, and you don't know how God works. At the resurrection, we're beyond marriage. I love that. Or what about the time the Pharisees and the teachers of the law brought to Jesus the woman caught in adultery, whose side note had to be tangoing with another human being in order to be committing adultery, but notice that he was not brought out to be stoned? Mm -hmm. Just saying. Anywho, the Pharisees bring this woman before Jesus, asked if they should stone her or not, and Jesus responds with the famous, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her but also says to the woman, go now and leave your life of sin. I could go on and on, but you get the point that with Jesus, there's always another way of thinking about things, another pathway to consider, a third alternative. And I think joy is that way, a both and. We are allowed to feel both pain and joy. We are able to experience both loss and hope. We can simultaneously understand despair and peace. And you know who made us this way? God. God crafted us together to be complex creatures who can hold ideas and emotions and thoughts in tension with one another. I think it's part of God's genius design. And really, joy should not 
be resigned to a feeling or an emotion, joy is better described as an attitude towards life. If you were here with us for the last episode, you heard me say that Pride and Prejudice is my favorite movie of all time. By the way, yes, I know it's a book, and I do cherish the book as well, but I would not say the book is my favorite book, but the movie is my favorite movie. Hopefully that makes as much sense to you as it does to me. Towards the beginning of the storyline, a sister of a main character decides to take a walk around the room where several characters have been sitting and conversing, and as she begins her walk, she says, It's refreshing, is it not, after sitting so long in one attitude? Joy is an attitude. Attitudes can be changed. Sometimes children who are looking so negatively at an upcoming event um, will say to them, you need to change your attitude. We're saying to them, change your outlook, change your belief, change your mindset. If I could boil joy down to its nutshell, it would be that joy is just that, a mindset. And what is a mindset? Well, a set way for our minds, a predetermined way of looking at things, a perspective, an attitude. Joy is a predetermined path for our hearts and spirits. I'm not talking about predestination. I'm talking about determining ahead of time where our allegiances lie. Joy is not based off of something good or delicious or exciting happening in our lives. Joy is not a fickle emotion. Joy is an internal attitude that guides us even in the most agonizing and painful of circumstances, even in pain, even in grief, even in sorrow. Joy is not volatile. She's not capricious and she does not change with the wind. She is steady and calm. Joy is the invigorating brightness of the freshly peeled tangerine. Joy is the intoxicating perfume of the blooming rosebush. Joy is the peace of chamomile tea that induces rest and relaxation. Joy is not anxious. She is kind and wise and patient. And she has deep affection for you. Joy is exuberance for life. Take another hit off that joy bottle and let's make some plans on how to embed joy into our very attitudes. First, let's talk about how to experience joy on a personal level. Joy is a byproduct of living in the presence of our friend Jesus. Joy is also a byproduct of living in the present with our friend Jesus. See what I did there? I'm playing with those words again. We'll experience joy when we listen to the voice of Jesus saying, I'm here and I love you and I will never leave you. Let's hear the words of the prophet Habakkuk. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm eaten and the wheat fields are stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God, counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm queen of the mountain. That's from chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. It's so easy to get wrapped up in what the day will hold. I'm staring down a week of school that is likely to be as challenging as all the weeks that have passed so far this year. 
It's easy to get caught up in the noise that those future problems are making. It can be such a racket. What will happen if this thing happens? What will I do if this thing doesn't happen? How will I ever find time to get this task completed? The future is clamoring for my attention. I must be careful to listen to the voice of my friend's sure, steady, affectionate voice saying, Jill, I love you. You are enough because I am enough. Be still. Remember who you are and whose you are. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. So personally, joy comes from us taking time to spend time with God at the beginning of our days, but also in the transitions of the day. Humans struggle the most during transitions, either right before or as it's happening or right after the transition is our greatest temptation towards anxiety. We're like, oh, it's about to happen or, oh, no, it's happening or holy crap, it just happened. So what would happen if in those moments we simply said our friend's name out loud? Simply Jesus. No, not Jesus, but Jesus, to help us remember that Jesus is sure and steady and steadfast and certain and will never, ever, 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 ever leave us. Hebrews 13.8 says, plain and simple, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is joy in that realization. We need to do the work to help ourselves realize it. Try sticky notes, or try a Devo book in your car, or try blasting some Toby Mac as you drive from one place to another, but pre-plan to help your transitions be joy-prone instead of anxiety-prone. Now let's talk about how we can help others choose joy. Ready for this earth-shattering idea? We can help others choose joy by talking about it. Everyone is talking these days, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, on text, on video calls. I'm talking to you right now. So when you're the one doing the talking, talk about your joy. Say to another human being, I am choosing joy. Yes, I am also weary. Yes, I am experiencing grief. Yes, I am also sick and tired of hearing about all the blasted stuff that is wrong with the world. And at the same time, I am choosing an attitude of joy a mindset of joy, because Jesus is my friend. And sister or brother, Jesus is your friend too. We're part of the unshakable kingdom of God. And I love how First Chronicles 16.27 describes this royal God. Splendor and majesty are before God. Strength and joy are in God's dwelling place. Joy is in God's dwelling place. So let's talk about that joy. Words spoken out loud are powerful. Remember that God spoke creation into existence. Something is not real until it's named. So name it and name it joy. Finally, for those of us who are ready for such a task, let's talk about the spiritual work of helping those who are not like us be able to experience joy. How do we help those who are unlike us be able to choose joy? Well, one thing is for sure, we can't choose it for them. We can't make anyone do anything they don't want to do. And those who are most unlike us 
are the hardest to infect with our personal choice of joy because we aren't as likely to be in their circles or they in ours. So here's my idea of how to encourage joy in those who are most unlike us. Listen. That's it. Listening. Really working to hear voices that are unlike our own voice. Perhaps you could choose an author to read that is nothing like what you would normally read. Maybe they even write about things you disagree with or don't have experience with, but you choose to read their book in order to listen. Perhaps it's a musical artist that you would never in a million years be caught dead listening to, but still you choose to make that crazy choice to download the whole album of someone far different from you and far different from your normal musical taste so you can really listen to the words and the music and the rhythms. Perhaps it's tuning into a podcast about something you don't have any interest in. Download it and tune in and then listen. Really listen. Listen for the joy. I think listening to others' perspectives and others' tastes and others' ideas can spark joy in us, but it can also help to spark the joy in those into whom we invest our listening time. If joy is our attitude, then listening is our stance. Imagine how the world would change if we could have the spiritual discipline to choose a mindset of joy, talk about our attitude of joy with others, and find ways to listen to how joy is expressed and experienced by those who are far different from us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Thanks for listening to episode two of The Real Kind Truth. I'm glad you're here, and honestly, I'm glad to be here too. This podcast is the result of years of prayer and discernment, tears and heartache, education and patience. I hope you have felt encouraged by it and that you will be brave enough to have an attitude of joy in the everything that is happening in your life. I'll leave you with a quote from Pope Francis. The saints were not superhuman. They were people who loved God in their hearts and who shared this joy with others. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.